Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Well, it's kind of checking up now. Uh, how did Mother's Day go for everybody? Mother's Day, especially for moms. I hope it was a great time. I hope you had that sense of being honored and that there wasn't too much mess to clean up after everybody was doing, you know, done doing all that stuff for you. Well, we had a great Mother's Day. Grandma, yeah, Mom, she was honored. We were uh, at our daughter Amy's home in Tulsa, uh, and uh, her husband and the two absolutely incredible grandkids of you know her her children. Uh, they're great, and um, then her in-laws as well. What well, we had a great time, and uh, with this together time, it brought back to me. Memories of my childhood, you know, Mother's Day and all those times that we had together and um, kind of reflecting back into what my grandkids would say uh, when they say, Papa, tell us about when you were a kid. Tell us about the olden days. Now, in their mind, it's somewhere where the uh, Paleolithic age became the Neolithic age, when in reality, it's just as we were coming out of the Great Depression, okay, and then getting ready for World War II with all that, uh, well, all those things that went with that rationing and all the scarcity and everybody, you know, saying, yeah, don't you know there's a war going on? Well, Though we were poor, we always had options, two options on the menu. And it was take it or leave it, okay? And uh, though we were poor, yeah, always had that. We had five children in our family that made a household of seven. Guess how many bathrooms inside? <laughs> yeah, one bathroom. That's where I learned how to dance. Uh, and, and it's saying, hurry up in there, and uh, then my brother, my big brother would come along, you know, poke me in the ribs with his sharp elbow and say, take a number, kid. Okay, mom, please don't invite on overnight company. But I learned back then already that life just is not fair. Why was it I was my turn to mow the lawn, my turn to do the dishes, my turn to sweep the floors, my turn, you know, it just kind of run the vacuum and and all those sorts of things, pull the weeds out of the garden and the flower beds, things like that. Well, uh, but uh, I may not have been the smartest one in the family. And, you know, I kind of think about it. I had the same teacher for five years in a row, but I was the middle child. So I got by just fine because, you know, the middle child can kind of operate under the radar and, uh, you know, to kind of be forgotten so you get by with a few things. Except there was a downside on that. And when we take these road trips, you don't go see grandma. That was a long, long day's drive. And, uh, but you had to have these restroom stops from time to time. At the gas station, you know, they had the lift and everything. You you know, check your oil and all that sort of thing back then, full service. Uh, And, Occasionally, they would leave me behind because there I was looking for a penny at the, looking at the gumball machine. Now, they'd get on the road. Now, my brothers and sisters, they knew I wasn't there. <laughs> but they, they didn't mind because it made a little extra room for them in the back seat. 
And then when when they'd kind of catch up, oh, my, oh, mom would she, it would she would have a a, a difficult time and kind of that stage whisper under her breath. She said, "I used to be saying two children ago." Well, that's my personal testimony about family, uh, but we're going we're going to actually move to some more good news about households. Households. Now we started that two weeks ago. As I talked about, you know, ultimately God's household, that is the church. He has a family. We have brothers and sisters. God is our father, and he he pulls us together into his household. He feeds us. He cares for us and, and all that sort of thing. But something went kind of wrong. Last week, Pastor Dreyer told us about in Genesis 2, the perfect household that was there, Genesis 3, of when that perfect household kind of went yeah, it, it went bad. And ever since, there isn't a perfect household, except he also explained that in Jesus Christ, what is imperfect, he declares perfect, sinless, holy, when we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so the, 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 it, the Bible describes that the, the God that they ran away from in Genesis chapter 3 to hide is the God who came pursuing. He's running after his goodness, is running after me. And then in Revelation 3, you, know, you get to the, the end, you got the bookends, uh, you get to the end of the Bible. In chapter 3 of Revelation, there he is knocking at the door. He says, hey, I want to come in. Hey, am I welcome back in to your household, into your home, into your heart? So every household can have that sense of blessing, even you know the perfectness of God's character coming into us as a household. You know, you gather at the table, hold hands, come, Lord Jesus, you know, come into our home, come to our table, come into our lives, and uh, and give to us what you can give: forgiveness, yes, repairs for all the stuff we've broken, renewal of what has gotten old and even dead, resurrection power, and joy in our families. Every household, then, by God, has a purpose, no matter what. Even though there are sometimes when Let's say, something's missing. It doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to offer everything wonderful and perfect to him. But sometimes we have that sense, something's missing. You know, not every family has a mom and a dad and a handful of happy, thriving, healthy children. Example is what I read to you from Luke chapter 1. Uh, it's Zach and Lizzie, okay, or Zechariah and Elizabeth, if you want to be formal about it. They seemed like the perfect couple. They had everything. They were in love with each other, but something was missing. They didn't have, they couldn't have children, even though it explained that their lives were blameless. Now, back then, the culture said, if you did not have children, uh, that was, number one, it was the wife's fault. Secondly, is that it meant that you were being punished for something, some kind of sin. It was a sign of God's disfavor. But it's made very clear that they, they had followed in all the commandments of the Lord. They were doing everything right, it seemed. They were faithful to God. They were faithful to each other. Something's missing. You know, think back in the Old Testament, the story of like Sarah and Abraham. Something was missing. 
But, you see, God was up to something incredible uh, in the life of Abraham and Sarah. It had to be a miracle for a child to come, for that line of the Savior to fulfill the promise that he had made already to Abraham. It had to, something had to happen. It had to be a miracle. Or then you move on and you get to the time of the judges and here's a, a, a time there was a need for a prophet of the Lord to speak to the people of Israel, how to say to them, hey, shape up or ship out. And uh, there was Hannah, this woman, she had no children. And she desperately, she wanted a child. But you see, God allowed a period of time to pass for her to be really serious about things and then to prepare and to make it very evident that this was a miracle child. And her child's name was Samuel. And he was one who would call people into repentance. And he made known to people the ways and the will of the Lord. Uh, Very, very important we have now Another instance that's going to be a lot like that. You see, where there was a gap, God is filling the gap. But even though there was something missing, nothing was missing because if you think back, what I showed with that object lesson, you know, that piece that fit in there where there was a gap, okay, when you have the Lord, there is not a gap in your life, even though the circumstances are not what exactly you would want. And say, hey, well, that would be my ideal of the perfect. Okay, we don't very often get that, but we get something better. And that is that we get Jesus to fill that gap himself. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, Zechariah, yeah. It's made clear by Luke, the gospel writer, that it was not a matter of punishment, but it was a matter of plan that God had in mind by, for a period of time, withholding children so that it became very evident this was going to be taking, would be taking a miracle. And, um, you know, they, they were sinners like the rest of mankind, but they did have a heart and a predisposition of profound respect for God and for his law. Now, having a child back then, it's a little bit different. You know, not people these days, don't, you know, having a child is no big deal. Yet, you know, I don't want one. I don't want but so forth. But back then, it was really important. Let's go to Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. But there's Zechariah. He's walking around with an empty quiver. But, you see, you don't have to have uh, all your desired circumstances to be fulfilled in life and to have a significant purpose. But it's, it's been very simple in Psalm 37. It says, take your delight in the Lord, and then he will give you the desire of your heart. But you see... Here's the tricky thing. The desire of your heart is what, you know, the delight of God is, what he wants for you. That is then what you want. More than anything else, you lay aside your own and say, Lord, I want to want what you want. Well, let's take a little closer look at this guy named Zechariah. He was from the tribe of Levi. And from that tribe, the branch of that tribe, from like the sons of Aaron, he had the proper lineage to become a priest. Now, priests back then did not own land. The tribe of Levi 
was not given a tribal allotment along with the other tribes. As a matter of fact, intentionally, they were scattered throughout the whole land. And the purpose of that was that they were to be a spiritual influence throughout the entire land. They were to be, uh, they had the responsibility to be teachers, to be examples, uh, and to teach the word of God. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were stationed in Ayn Karim, which uh, again is in the hill country of Judea. Then different divisions of the priesthood were assigned different times when they had to go to Jerusalem, spend some time there, serve that allotted time. And then the specific responsibility of the priest was chosen by lot. It's a little bit like how, how juries are chosen. Uh, you, you, you get the summons to appear, but then by lot, you, you, know, you may be chosen to serve on a specific jury. And so he got his specific job, and it was to serve in the holy place. Now, there were the, the temple was divided up into certain sections. Before you got into the enclosed section, there was the outer section where the sacrifices were offered. But then only through the sacrifice could you come into closer presence of the Lord. So the first chamber inside called the holy place, there was an altar of incense. There was a, uh, the showbread table. There was a golden candlestick. And so uh, each day at the hour of prayer, sometimes called the hour of incense, the priest would come in and he would light the incense the smoke would go up, and like it says in one of the Psalms, let my prayers be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The last thing on the agenda for the day was that hour of prayer, the burning of the incense. Zechariah was given that high honor. He was able to go inside of there and do that. And as he does that, suddenly, he, well, something happens. It changes his life and Elizabeth's life. As a matter of fact, it changes the course of history because the angel said, God has heard your prayers. Isn't that cool? That's the hour of prayer. <laughs> God has heard your prayers. The smoke is going up. Oh, you know, everything's kind of gelling together there, huh? That's, that's so great. May, that may have even been the very first time that Zechariah was given the assignment of burning the incense for that to go up. But beside him is an angel, and he's kind of scared. I would be too if I saw an angel right there. But the angel had a, a message for him. God has heard your prayers. You and your wife, Elizabeth, even in your advanced years, you are going to have a child. But this is not going to... By the way, that whole thing leaves him speechless. There's more to that story I can tell you later. But it's not going to be just any child. This is a child of destiny. This is a very special child. One of a kind, the child that had been promised centuries before as the very forerunner of the Messiah, meaning the plan of salvation is moving forward. Do you ever notice when you're reading in the Bible and an angel shows up, the plan of God is taking a significant move forward. And so at this point, you know, one more piece of that vast puzzle is being placed in there. And when you looked at that, there was only one space left, and that was going to be filled by Jesus, the Messiah. 
Well, so really, nothing's missing now. Nothing is missing. But even before this, when God filled that gap in their life, nothing really was missing. You know, no household gets everything that it wants. There will always be some empty spaces in every household, even in the best, that God wants himself to fit that spot where we say, There's, but I've got gaps. He says, don't worry, I got it covered, you know? And it speaks uh, about God uh, sending someone to stand in the gap, and the one that stands in that gap of separation, we know that's Jesus Christ. Now, think about homes and, let's say, households where not everything quite feels complete. There's a gap, you know? Sometimes... A single person growing into adulthood and even time going on by wrongly feels incomplete. You can be complete no matter what your situation is. Someone who has been widowed, otherwise formerly married in some fashion, can feel incomplete. But God says, I'm here for the gap. What about people that are married but really quite unhappily married, an unresponsive spouse feeling kind of uncared for, almost almost abandoned, like this is not a really happy situation. What a big gap. And so the Lord says, no, I'm filling that gap for you. What about where children are desired but children don't arrive? There aren't any children. Or let's move it forward, the children, you know what? They grow up, and they're gone, and the nest gets empty. Uh, Or where the situation is that children must be shared between two different homes. What about children who really don't appreciate their parents or having children, but that's not turning out so very well because uh, there are issues like alienation. Maybe there was drug addiction, irresponsibility, and uh, even leaving the faith. What about households that are really highly stressed and something's something's missing? Uh, If only we had a bigger, better house. If only we had more income, a better employment situation, a better set of future prospects. How about relief from this debt? There's a big gap. Or maybe if we lived a little closer to the casino and that would solve everything. You know, people get tempted to think that they can never fulfill a significant destiny if they feel some kind of a, of a gap in their life. Well, living with contentment. By the way, that's a, that's a gift of grace to live with contentment. You know, uh, I've tried to <laughs> work it up myself. It has to come from God. It has to be, you know, a gift of his sanctifying grace in our lives to have that sense of, of contentment. And he will come and he will fill those gaps in our lives. And he will take those gaps and fill them uh, with himself so that they actually become new opportunities, even as it did for Elizabeth and Zechariah, a new opportunity for God to do something very, very special. Because you see with the Lord, nothing's missing. He fills the gaps and he sent like John, the son to, uh, in order to fulfill the scriptures because this had been promised centuries before that there would be someone who would be coming to make the way for the savior of the world. Another piece of the puzzle falling into place and God kept the promise that he had made. And again, hitting that point, God is faithful. 
God never promises anything that he doesn't make good on. He fills every empty space. In Colossians, the third chapter, uh, a part of the 11th verse goes like this. It says, Christ is all and in all. Okay, if he's all, where's the gap? Gap's gone. Gap's gone. See, we are complete in him. You are complete in Jesus Christ. And so what do you do? Then put your life, such as it is, at his disposal. It then becomes the avenue of blessing and opportunity. And we must refuse to let disappointing circumstances define us. Do not let the gaps define you. Let Jesus define you because no one loves you like he does. No one is as wise as he is. No one knows better than he does as to what is ultimately for your blessing and benefit. And you know what? The greatest blessing and benefit in our lives is when we become a blessing to other people. So look at what you have. Use it faithfully. Use it fully. And use it thankfully. Use it for the glory of God rather than for yourself. Because with Jesus in your household, what's missing? (laughs) Oh, you might make a list of some things that are missing. (laughs) But really, everything of significance is right there. You see, God had a plan. As we read the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, God had a wonderful plan all along And so, ultimately, a child is born, but that child makes way for another child that's going to be born in a short time, about six months later after John is born. And that is the birth of Jesus, the greater one. But John goes ahead, the voice crying in the wilderness, repent, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, because... Folks, something's happening. God's salvation is entering the world now. Be ready. Have your hearts prepared to receive it. And when we do, our lives can count for something. Zechariah, Elizabeth, uh, they were necessary for God fulfilling his plan. And even those years without the children, that was probably a very important part of God emphasizing he's in charge all along, and he's fulfilling the plan that he had made and the promise. Now think of your own life, your own household. You know what? There's a divine plan. There's a divine purpose for it that can be fulfilled as you faithfully live out your life, then God will use you even though you don't always get everything you want. But you'll get all that you need. And we want to want what God ultimately wants for our lives. Yes, he'll provide for our needs. But what do you do? You take your delight in the Lord. And then he will fulfill the desires of your heart. Because your desires of your heart have been transformed into taking in what God's will is for you.